If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of May 9, 2021. The podcast that invented double-sided playing cards. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's epithelialize the news of the bogus. Just when you think the comps behaving badly stories can't get any worse, we have an example of something that generally happens in the worst police states. Cops trash the home of a Virginia attorney who successfully defended a murder suspect. Darianta Reynolds was prosecuted for murder, despite security camera footage showing that he shot John Denou de Curenziza in self-defense. He shouldn't have even been arrested, let alone prosecuted, and the jury took just 90 minutes to acquit him. Well, apparently the Roanoke Police Department didn't like that result, so they raided the home of his attorney and stepmother, Kathy Reynolds. According to her lawsuit, quote, The Reynolds' acquittal sparked outrage in the Roanoke law enforcement community. Just three days after D. Reynolds' acquittal, defendants targeted Ms. Reynolds for retaliation. Defendants broke down the front door of Ms. Reynolds' home two hours after she had offered to let them in, searched, in quotes, Ms. Reynolds' home for an individual by destroying her personal possessions, including those entirely irrelevant to a search for a person, and left Ms. Reynolds traumatized, knowing that she could be targeted by police for engaging in constitutionally protected activity. It's not just constitutionally protected activity, it's constitutionally necessary activity. Attorneys have to be able to defend their clients. Especially when the prosecution is completely bogus as it was in this case. The raid was videoed by members of a crowd who had witnessed it, and a local news crew even showed up. And check this out, quote, Despite both screen door and storm door at the front entrance of Ms. Reynolds' home remaining unlocked, SWAT officers used an entry tool attached to the front of an armored vehicle to puncture the screen door and rip it free from Ms. Reynolds' home in its entirety. In so doing, SWAT officers damaged the screen door beyond repair, heavily damaged the door frame surrounding the front entry, and tore vinyl siding from the exterior of Ms. Reynolds' newly remodeled home. SWAT officers then entered Ms. Reynolds' home by turning the doorknob of the storm door which remained on Ms. Reynolds' home still unlocked and pushing the door open in the manner a door is designed to operate. Now keep in mind, they were ostensibly searching for Osmike Clemens, a 17-year-old murder suspect, but check out where they were looking for him. Quote, During the search of Ms. Reynolds' home, SWAT officers opened and searched all of the drawers in Ms. Reynolds' kitchen and detached Ms. Reynolds' appliances from the walls of her home. SWAT officers flipped the mattresses off all the beds in Ms. Reynolds' home and tore all the clothes from the closets in the bedroom. SWAT officers tore the cushions off Ms. Reynolds' furniture and emptied the contents of open soda cans onto the floor. Apparently, they failed to find the murder suspect in any of the soda cans. Their gleeful vandalism spree lasted three hours. Quote, Defendants did all of this supposedly to search for a person who was not and had never been at Ms. Reynolds' home. Defendants secured the authority to enter Ms. Reynolds' home based on false or fabricated information. 
Two of the officers involved in the raid, Sergeant Joel Camp and Detective John Haley, testified in the case against D. Reynolds. Five other officers are also included in Ms. Reynolds' lawsuit. According to the search warrant, a CEI had told them that Clemens had been observed at her home several times, and Camp said he had personal knowledge of it and swore to its credibility, even though the information was completely false. In fact, Camp knew that no such tip had been received from any CI, knew that Clemens hadn't been at or near Reynolds' home, and had no cause to believe the information in the affidavit was credible. Quote, Sergeant Camp, Detective Haley, and Officer Doe's 1-5, through five, acting under the color of state law, retaliated against Ms. Reynolds for her engagement in protected speech and for her association with her stepson when they targeted Ms. Reynolds' family and home and subjected Ms. Reynolds to a destructive search of her property, absent probable cause. She is suing them both as individuals and as officials of the Roanoke City Police Department. This is insane and out of control. Police should not be able to slam together a pack of lies to raid the home of a defense attorney they just testified against. No reasonable person could possibly deny that this was blatant retaliation. Certainly not when there's video of both the self-defense her stepson was acquitted of and video of the raid itself. I mean, what are they going to say? They had reasonable suspicion that a murder suspect was hiding in her silverware drawer? And does anyone really think the DA wasn't involved in this at all? The fact that they weren't summarily fired is a travesty. They should also be indicted on criminal charges, including trespass, assault and battery, vandalism, perjury and conspiracy, and probably a lot of other offenses as well. If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to airtime.bogosity.tv to get the airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up, and then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on BitTube.tv or LBRY.tv or with the Airtime extension at Airtime.Pagosity.tv. Yet another statistical analysis on the pseudoscience of COVID lockdowns. Not only do they seem to be doing potentially irreparable harm to the economy, they don't appear to be saving lives, according to a Wallet Hub study. They started keeping track of statistics regarding state lockdowns in May of 2020, as well as mask mandates, school closings, and large gathering limits. At the time, the strictest lockdown state was New Jersey, with New York a close second. South Dakota was the most open with almost no restrictions, followed by Utah. They kept track as various states both imposed and eased the various COVID restrictions designed to impede the spread of the virus. One undeniable association was unemployment, which was a direct result of the lockdowns, 
But what they didn't seem to affect was death rates. The states with the toughest COVID restrictions have the highest unemployment increases, but there's no discernible difference in death rates between them and the states with the fewest restrictions. As of early April 2021, 13 states still had tight restrictions in place, but also had relatively high death rates. 12 states had high restrictions and low death rates. 12 states with fewer restrictions had death rates comparable to the states with the tightest restrictions, but 13 states had both few restrictions and low death rates. In other words, it didn't make the slightest bit of difference. The strictest lockdown states had, on average, 1,423 COVID deaths per million people, compared to 1,449 in the most permissive states. That difference isn't even close to statistically significant. But the true believers are undeterred, like Dennis Nash, an epidemiologist at the CUNY School of Public Health, who said that things could have been totes different. Quote, What if New York didn't lock down last March? We could have seen many, many more deaths over a rapid period. And that's based on what? All the states that didn't lock down in March but still didn't have any more deaths overall? How is this any different from a homeopath saying, Yeah, but imagine how bad it would have been if we didn't give you sugar pills. You'd think that if there were any real effect, certainly the level of effect you'd need to justify this horrendous abrogation of our basic liberties, then the statistics would make it obvious, just like they do with the unemployment statistics. And although COVID itself, and not just the lockdowns, may be responsible for some of the unemployment, a lot of states that didn't lock down, like some Midwestern states, actually have had a small decrease in unemployment. Regular listeners know this is far from the first such analysis. They tell us to listen to the science. Well, we are. And the science is really leading us to just one conclusion. It's just not the conclusion they wanted it to. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. And another one on the pile of examples showing that the DMCA is rotten to the core and was from the very beginning. Turns out, it can even be used by a plagiarist to take down the original article they were plagiarizing. Novelist Victoria Strauss, co-founder of the watchdog group Writer Beware, found that she'd had an article removed from Blogger.com because of a DMCA notice, even though she was the sole author and copyright holder of the article. 
The article, by the way, was about Fiery Seas Publishing and its founder, Misty Williams, and some rather suspicious things about it. Fiery Seas closed down a couple of months later. After going through a bunch of permissions applications, Strauss finally got the actual DMCA complaint Google had received, which had been sent by someone named Bella Andreas. Quote, Say what? Who the hell was Bella Andreas? And why was she claiming that she'd written my blog post? Navigating to the original URL link on what purported to be Bella's blog, I found a large portion of my post reproduced verbatim. How was Andreas able to do this? It turns out simply by backdating the post. Quote, I published my post on September 28, 2018. Bella's post is dated September 3, 2018. In other words, she'd stolen the bulk of my post, backdated it to make it look as if she were the original author, and gotten my post taken down with a fake DMCA notice. When she looked into Bella's blog more closely, she found that every single post there had been stolen and backdated. That includes posts backdated as far as 2014, when the domain name hadn't even been registered until October 2016. Examining the source code, Strauss discovered that the actual posting date of the articles was between December 2020 and late March 2021. Quote, My stolen post falls right in the middle of that brief time period. Bella published it on January 26, 2021, the same day she filed the DMCA notice. That's additionally confirmed by the date on the image upload. After filing a counter-notice, Strauss was able to get her original post reinstated. It really left the question of what the hell this Andreas person was doing. She couldn't find any evidence of her being a writer, any connection with the publishing industry, or even any indication that it's a real name at all. And why did she go after Strauss's blog? And why that exact post? Quote, it all seems completely weirdly random, except... At the end of my post is a postscript, in which I mention a certain agent who is known for his efforts to get references to himself removed from the web. Last spring, he contacted me to demand the takedown of certain of my tweets, a discussion on the Writer Beware Facebook page, and my Fiery Seas blog post. I did not comply. You can't DMCA tweets and Facebook threads, but you can DMCA blog posts. And remember I mentioned that Bella stole most of my post, but not all of it? She omitted the intro, which linked back to Writer Beware, but she also omitted the postscript. Coincidence? You be the judge. We don't know what happened, but consider the possibility. Someone writes an article with a portion critical of you. You take the article, remove that portion, and post it yourself, backdated, and then DMCA the original article. Now, the only version of the article that's available online is your edited version. Of course, she may have just gotten caught up as a random victim in a larger game. Apparently, all of the DMCA notices that people have been able to find from Andreas are on Google services and the DMCA sent to Google. That means they'll also get taken down from Google's search results. If they're the only source of these articles, that'll drive traffic to their site. Technically, filing a false DMCA notice is perjury. But as we've covered numerous times, good luck getting anyone to actually do anything about it. 
In Lenz v. Universal, the dancing baby case, Stephanie Lenz had to get the help of the EFF in her lawsuit against Universal Music, which resulted in a petition to the Supreme Court and even involvement from the Justice Department before Universal would settle. Something is going to have to be done. As we've covered at length since the birth of this podcast, the only thing that'll solve the problems is the complete repeal of the DMCA. Instead, things just seem to be going the other way, which means it'll just continue to get worse for independent content producers. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to pre-notify this week's Biggest Bogun Emitter. And this week it goes to CBS YouGov and CNN for misrepresenting the results of polls regarding President Biden's first speech to Congress. Despite CNN claiming that the poll of their viewers showed, quote, a very positive reaction, the fact is it's horrendously worse than the rating given to the first speeches given by Trump and Obama. Very positive apparently means that 51% approved of his speech. Compare that to 68% from Obama's first speech and even 66% from George W. Bush's. Even Trump's first speech was six points higher at 57%, again, of CNN's largely Democratic audience. Of course, only 22 million people tuned in for Biden's speech, about half of what tuned in for Trump's, so already it was more likely that a greater portion of viewers were true believers in the Church of St. Joseph. The really hilarious part was when CNN called Joe Biden's big spending agenda as moderate radicalism. Hey, CNN, was it short tallness too? Going over to the CBS YouGov poll, we see more than just the spin of an incredibly biased news outlet, but more of what we've covered in Bogosity from the very beginning, how easy it is to manipulate polls to begin with. Their poll claimed that 85% of Americans embraced Biden's speech with just 15% disapproving, but the numbers were deliberately skewed from the word go. They polled 10,420 U.S. adults, but they whittled the sample size all the way down to 943, which included 510 Democrats, 235 left-leaning independents, and just 169 Republicans. Only 18% of respondents described themselves as very conservative or somewhat conservative. The Democrat and independent numbers add up to 79% of those polled, which represents 93% of the 85%. 
But if equal numbers of Democrats and Republicans had been polled, more in line with their portion of the population, it would have meant that a majority of Americans did not approve of Biden's speech. This isn't anything new, of course, but it's hard to find a case where the fraud is this bad. I mean, to use less than a tenth of those you spoke to, and less than a fifth of those represent the conservative half of the country? How can anyone call this anything other than fake news? So all of that makes CNN, CBS, and YouGov this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's bromise this week's Idiot And this week it goes to Ohio State Senator Andrew Brenner, and this just has to be seen to be believed. He participated via Zoom in a meeting of the Ohio Controlling Board. Although he used software to replace the background with a picture of his office, it's clear he wasn't there. In fact, it's actually clear that he was driving during the meeting. He was fiddling with his phone and turning his head to look at traffic as he maneuvered. Oh, and he was also wearing his seatbelt! I don't think even gaming chairs have those. And the subject of the meeting? Distracted driving legislation. HB 283 would ban, among other things, live streaming and using phone applications while driving in Ohio. Exactly what he was doing. Brenner's excuse? Quote, I wasn't distracted. I was paying attention to the driving and listening to it. Gee, I wonder if the legislation would have an exception to that. Oh, I know I was live-streaming while driving, officer, but I was paying attention to the driving and just listening to it. Somehow, I don't think that'll fly. Rules for thee, not for me. The silly part is, it'd be a lot more believable if he hadn't bothered with a virtual background and hadn't constantly been fiddling with his phone. His attempt to cover for it made him way more distracted than if he'd actually kept his camera off and just had the audio going. So all of that makes Andrew Brenner this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Boys and Girls Come Out to Play on the Busy Motorway edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. 
Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from PJ O'Rourke. People who are wise, good, smart, skillful, or hardworking don't need politics. They have jobs. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial and Derivatives 4.0 International License. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.